Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you could join us for the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening of the bank holiday. Hope you're all enjoying it. My name is Rory O'Hagan. I'm here with you for the next hour talking all things sports and a lot of things to discuss. We'll be getting you the latest from Old Trafford in just a bit. Manchester United and Liverpool is off. Also on the show tonight, we're going to talk to Aoife Cook after the Corkman qualified for the Olympics last week, uh, winning the uh, Cheshire Elite Marathon. We're also going to talk to the Farris brothers, Flubatar and Abanoub, uh, about uh, Flubatar's 200km run from Cork to Galway this week. Did it in 27 hours. Sensational stuff from him. We're going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk about Gaga Box as well. And we have reaction from our co Ramblers defeat Galway United last night. So that's all. It's coming to you now at 7 o'clock on the Big Red Bench. Normally Peter Smith is reporting on matches, but now he's talking about protests outside and inside Old Trafford. Twice prior to the scheduled 4.30 kickoff time, the Old Trafford compound was breached by anti-glazer protesters who ultimately made their way onto the pitch, letting off flares. They were escorted off up the players' tunnel, which also constituted a potential Covid breach. With fans gathered around the team's hotel in central Manchester, the postponement was made in the interest of safety. So, no word yet as to when it is going to happen. So, as you heard Peter mention there, protests inside about the Glazers, protests outside, protests at the team hotel. The bus couldn't leave and... uh, uh, a lot of things happening today and uh, the, at the team hotel. Uh, this United fan, Ryan, was there. He thinks some of those at the ground have let themselves down. I think breaking into the stadium, damaging the pitch, things like that, he's, he's too far. I mean, don't be wrong, it, it hurts the pockets of the Glazers, but you're still damaging your own club at the same time. And I think you, know, you give yourself a lifetime ban for what? I mean, the Glazers could be gone in a year. I don't want a lifetime ban. I still want to support my club. So, as I mentioned, no word yet as to when it is going to be uh, refixed for Man United statement says... Following discussion between the police, the Premier League, Trafford Council and the clubs, our match against Liverpool has been postponed due to safety and security considerations around the protest today. Discussions will now take place with the Premier League on a revised date for the fixture. Our fans are passionate about Manchester United and we completely acknowledge the right to free expression and peaceful protest. However, we regret the disruption to the team and actions which put other fans, staff and the police in danger. We thank the police for their support and the system and any subsequent investigations. And the Premier League statement says, following the security breach at Old Trafford, the Manchester United versus Liverpool game has been postponed. This is a collective decision from the police, both clubs, the Premier League and local authorities. The security and safety of everyone at Old Trafford remains of paramount importance. We understand and respect the strength of feeling, but condemn all acts of violence, criminal damage and trespass, especially given the associated COVID-19 breaches. Fans have many channels by which to make their views known, but the actions of a minority seen today have no justification. We sympathise with the police and stewards who had to deal with a dangerous situation that should have no place in football. The rearrangement of the fixture will be communicated in due course. Um, so it remains to be seen what will happen there was due to kick off at half past four it was postponed about an, uh, about a half an hour ago and uh, no word yet as to when it will be refixed for but the uh, the calendar is very very um, tight and compact not many windows for the games to be played in so it'll be interesting to see what happens there might even play it tomorrow night uh, who knows but we'll, uh, we'll see uh, later on if anything breaks over the next hour we will indeed tell you there there has been one game today and uh, Arsenal beating Newcastle today Stephen Goldsmith Newcastle nil Arsenal 
to Shia dominance by a much changed Arsenal the home side chasing shadows for this one no match for Arsenal's slick passing or strong defensive game Mohamed Elneny fired them into an early lead when the ball fell to him at the edge of the box and the only surprise was how long it took for the visitors to add to that in the second half Aubameyang finished off a great move to put this one beyond doubt Newcastle nil, Arsenal 2 so that's them up to ninth in the table. It ends a run of three games without a win in all competitions. And uh, boss Mikel Artella says it was vital to end their slump before Thursday's Europa League semi-final second night with Villarreal. We wanted to put the bad results, not performance, but the bad results um, out of the way. And uh, the boys showed a great attitude from the beginning. Some big moments of quality as well, I think, and total control of the game from the start. One more game to take place tonight. Tottenham hosting Sheffield United from quarter past seven. Going to the game, Spurs at seven. They're eight points off the top four. Rangers beat 10-man Celtic 4-1 in their Scottish Premiership meeting at Ibrox earlier on today. It's their biggest win over Celtic in 14 years. Kamara Roof scoring twice with Stephen Jarrett's side, who of course has secured the title way back in March. Chelsea beat Bayern Munich 4-1 today in London to put their place in the Women's Champions League final. They will face Barcelona in the decider in Sweden in two weeks' time after they beat PSG by two goals to one today. In rugby, Leinster were beaten 32 points to 23 by Ronan O'Gara's La Rochelle to give La Rochelle their full title. Ronan O'Gara's La Rochelle. In the second of this year's uh, Champions Cup semi-finals this afternoon, they'll now face fellow French side Toulouse in the final at Twickenham later on this month. Uh, La Rochelle were amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, just Leinster had no answer for them. Second half in particular, just La Rochelle were superb, relentless, hard-working, um, and obviously very well coached by our own Ronan O'Gara uh, so it'll be interesting to see that uh, final in Toulouse against Toulouse at Twickenham uh, later on this month but congratulations indeed uh, to Ronan O'Gara and that La Rochelle team in snooker and 2005 champion Sean Murphy leading Mark Selby 5-3 after the first session of the World Championship final at the Crucible so, uh, some comeback from uh, Sean Murphy yesterday uh, to book his place in the, the final let's say uh, first 18 frames they'll resume later on this evening uh, F1 World Champion Lewis Hamilton won the uh, Portuguese Grand Prix today he started the race behind his Mercedes teammate Valtteri Bottas in second place. Red Bulls Max Verstappen took the runners-up spot with Bottas finishing third. And the Aidan O'Brien trade Mother Earth won the 1,000 guineas at Newmarket today. The three-year-old mare was guided to victory by Frankie Dettori after going off the starting price of 10-1. to 1. It's the fifth success in six years in the race for the Bally Doyle trainer. And what about Katie Taylor last night? beating Natasha Jonas in Manchester uh, in a close contest uh, two judges uh, securing uh, uh, Taylor uh, giving Taylor to win 96-95 the other card was 96-94 I had it a bit wider than that I had it 97-93 but uh, in an enjoyable contest Katie Taylor not at her best but had to dig deep uh, to beat Natasha Jonas and retain her uh, unbeaten streak as a professional which is now at 18 and to retain her Belts and uh, speaking afterwards, Taylor said she was aware of how tight the encounter was in the closing stages. Yeah, I knew that the rounds were, were close, and um, I knew I had to win uh, the, the end rounds. I showed, I showed the heart that I needed near the end to actually dig deep in and to get those championship rounds. Arguments we made uh, for Taylor as Ireland's greatest ever sports person, phenomenal athlete, uh, and uh, inspirational and amazing outside the ring as well. So I really enjoyed watching. And that, one thing that annoyed me though. Um, why wasn't it the main event? I mean, like Chisora and Parker, bleh, bleh. 
Uh, that fight wasn't great. Uh, I thought Chisora uh, might have been slightly robbed last night in that one, actually. But after Katie Taylor, I know we're biased as Irish people and Irish boxing fans, but after Katie Taylor's uh, fight, I was just I was even debating whether or not I was going to watch Chisora and Parker uh, because, uh, for me, that was the main event. Shattered after watching it as well. And I uh, have to admit, heart was pumping a little bit during uh, when the scores are being read out. I was like, has Katie actually done it? Even though I'd given her uh, the win by four, but... Uh, yeah, for it not to be the main event last night was a bit meh, meh, meh. not great. All right, we are going to uh, talk uh, athletics, and we're going to talk to the Cork woman who booked her place at the uh, Olympic Games last Sunday. Eva Cook uh, from Ballincollig uh, winning the Cheshire Elite Marathon inside the Olympic qualifying time uh, to book her place in uh, the Olympics in Japan this summer. I got a chance to uh, speak to Eva earlier on in the week. OK, we're joined on the line now by Aoife Cook after booking her place at the Tokyo Olympics on Sunday. Aoife, how are you? Good, good. Um, yeah, still pinching myself, I think. Um, just got back home to, to Cork on, on Monday evening, so just uh, kind of recovering now at the moment. Can you describe the feeling you had crossing that finishing line knowing you'd booked your place in the Olympics? Yeah, it was a bit overwhelming. Um, I think uh, it, it took a, a bit of time to sink in, I think. Um, but I kind of knew as I was coming up to the finish line that I was kind of well within the qualifying times. So um, it was a kind of feeling of relief, I think, in a way, um, because I just uh, ran such a long way and um, just the overwhelming excitement, really. And uh, has it sunk in yet? I mean, like, it's such a massive achievement. Have you had time to process it or are you still kind of on cloud nine at this point? Yeah, I think I'm still in the phase of, of being on cloud nine at the moment. Um, like, the amount of messages and calls and everything I got, like, Sunday evening and yesterday. Um, like, you know, I, I, th- I think I haven't had time yet to kind of sit down and, and really just let it sink in. So I'm just in, uh, yeah, definitely cloud nine, nine phase at the moment. Um, were you confident heading over there that you'd get inside the Olympic time? Um, yeah, like I mean, to a certain extent, you, I, I had the confidence that I had the training done for it. Um, so I, I knew, like I suppose, kind of ninety percent, kind of like that I, I could do it. But I guess with the marathon, there's always that a uh, little bit of uncertainty of what can happen in the last few miles. So um, there was that too. Uh, and what was the race itself like? I mean, like, what was your strategy heading off? Um, so I suppose I, I was kind of, I, I, I aimed to go out at um, the pace for the qualifying time, which would have been roughly around 5.40, 5.42 pace in mile, minute per mile. Um, so I kind of went out at that pace and kind of hoping to maybe pick it up Um after a few miles, once it kind of warmed up and kind of got into your stride and stuff like that, which I did. Um, so I was ahead of, of the pace from, you know, going through halfway. I was, I was ahead of the qualifying pace, which was which was good. Uh, that was kind of my plan because I didn't want to go out there to, to scrape it because, as I said, there's always that um, in the last six miles that something can maybe go wrong or, you know, there can be a bit of a hiccup. So I didn't want it to be like, you know, that close. I wanted there to be a small bit of a cushion that if things did go a bit wrong, that, that there was room for error, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, so when you're getting to the last couple of miles, I mean, like, uh, what's your thought process then? Is it like, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, or is it still at that point just putting one foot in front of the other and concentrating on, on what you're doing? Yeah, so like, 
I think um, it, it, this marathon was was a bit different, um, just so you know, because it's been a bit of a different year anyway. So it was a looped course, um, seven and a half laps. So that was kind of in your head the whole way. Um, so you kind of get through the first three loops, you know, you're feeling okay. And then um, you kind of get to four, five, six, you know, I've seen this <laughs> so many times already. So it kind of gets, it gets tough mentally a bit then, you know, so you're just kind of like, you know, this straight road for a mile and you know the corner that you're going to go around and, and all of this. So you just kind of have to break it down lap by lap. And um, I suppose when it came to the last lap then, like I was very tired, fatigued at that stage, the legs were hurting quite a lot, but I guess it was just in your head. It's just one more lap you've done, you know, six and six of them already. So just, you know, really knuckle down and just get it done. So um, it was, it was that at the end, you know, I suppose it was just that thing. It's like, this is yours and it's yours to lose. So just, just keep going. Like, yeah, and uh, the reaction you've gotten since has been incredible. Um, um, Aoife was actually trending on Twitter on Sunday after your win, which shows you the, the level of interest and I suppose the, the level of uh, outpouring of support afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing, you know. Um, I suppose, yeah, like so many, as I said, like so many comments on, on like Facebook, Twitter um, and all of that and so many like WhatsApp messages, so many calls. It was it was really overwhelming. I, I turned my phone off like Sunday evening because I just <laughs> I just had to shut off for a little while, you know. Um, but like it was it was fantastic. You know, I suppose like going into the marathon, I was just so focused on my own training, getting ready for it. So like I knew how much it meant to me. But um, to kind of see how much it actually meant to so many other people as well was incredible. And to go one ahead of Sonia Sullivan on the all-time list and for Sonia then to tweet out, congratulations, must be an incredible feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> obviously, like everyone else in Ireland, I've been a huge fan of Sonia um, up through the years. Like I was growing up watching her, you know, in the Sydney Olympics and everything like that. So she's she's a huge role model. So for that to happen was, uh, <laughs> I'm pinching myself over that too. <laughs> Aoife, what's the average training week like when you're coming up to a marathon and how is your training plan going to change or is it going to be the same heading into the Olympics? So like coming up to the Olympics now, or sorry, coming up to this marathon, I was kind of training between 100, 110 miles a week. So it's it's a lot of miles, um, two like big sessions in the week then. So a Sunday, I'd probably do 20 to 24 miles um, doing a, a chunk of that at, at what I kind of would want to do my um, my marathon pace at and then a kind of a midweek session which would usually be quite big as well maybe 16 to 18 miles um, the rest in are kind of double days so kind of doing eight miles in the morning and five to six miles in the evening so um, it's a lot of commitment um, and I suppose coming up you know it, the winter here wasn't that great so there were days you know <laughs> it was quite pretty tough to get out um, so I think at least, you know, we're coming into the summer now, so the training should be a bit more pleasant coming up to the Olympics, at least. Um, I suppose the structure will will remain fairly similar. Um, I suppose I, I'm taking this week off now and I'll, I'll kind of get back into it and, and build up, um, build up on the mileage again and get ready for it. They, like the winter was miserable as well, but when you have to go from those freezing cold runs, you think to yourself all the time, the Olympics is the end game here. Oh yeah, absolutely. You always have that in your head and, and it gets you out the door. And I suppose you're kind of thinking in your head like, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is character building, <laughs> um, you know, any any conditions like um, like the, on Sunday, we got really good conditions. So I've done long runs in, in you know, crazy wind and rain. Um, so I had that in my head too. I've done that so I can do this on a, on a pretty nice day, you know. What will the weather conditions be like in Tokyo? Have you looked that far ahead? 
Um, it will be warm. Um, so, like, actually, the marathon will be up in Sapporo. Um, so they moved the kind of endurance events up to the north of Japan because it'll be a small bit cooler than than Tokyo. But I still, I think it'll still be kind of um, maybe two, 22, 23 degrees. Um, so I, I'll kind of have to look at kind of strategies to kind of cope with with the heat um, in my training and in this build up now as well. Will you be able to get any kind of warm weather training in? I suppose with travel restrictions, you can't really. Yeah, like I'm, I'm kind of looking into that now. Um, and obviously, I suppose being an athlete, I might get an exemption. Um, I'm not too sure kind of what the rules are yet, but I'll, I'll kind of look at that over the next few weeks. But ideally, yes, I'd like to go away for maybe four weeks at least to um, to warm weather training. Um, it looks like there won't be any um, foreign spectators allowed to travel to Tokyo for the Games. Is that disappointing? You won't have support from home there with you in Japan? Uh, yeah, of course. You know, um, my family would have been delighted to go over. Um, you know, so it's it's a bit disappointing for them as well. You know, not to not to be able to do that. Um, but I think, look, um, in the year that's in it, you know, we we have to take what we can get at the moment. And um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a great experience anyway. Um, I know, like, there, you know, it'll probably be a bit of a different Olympics to what we're usually seeing on the television. But um, I'll just put it down to experience, and you know, I'm kind of hoping that I'll still have, have it in me to, to maybe try and qualify for the next one after this where where everyone can come over and we can have a big <laughs> celebration afterwards. Um, we've had Lizzie Lee on this show a couple of times and she of course ran almost five years ago now in the Olympics. Will you be getting on to her for advice and getting her thoughts on the, the Olympic process? Um, oh yeah, I mean, um, I was actually I tra- I was um, with Breed Connolly as well, who who was at the Rio Rio Olympics, and um, she was kind of filling me in on on the experience. But yeah, I'd love to uh, to have a chat with Lizzie as well, and and you know just kind of know what her experience was, and um, you know she she congratulated me there over the weekend as well. So you know it's a great community um, that we can share our experience, you know, get chips off of each other. So it's all open. There's no secrets really. Lizzie said she wouldn't consider herself an Olympian until she crossed the finishing line at the Olympics. Would that be your opinion as well? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, like, you know, it's great to know that I've qualified for the Olympics, but I wouldn't be saying I'm an Olympian just yet, you know, um, not until I'm over there. And um, as Lizzie says, yeah, cross the finish line would be a, would be a big deal. Talk to us about your, your history of running, Aoife, and how you got into it and, and what made you gravitate sports to, to, towards um, marathon running. Um, yeah, so like I, I ran as a juvenile, um, kind of when I started when I was 11 and I kind of ran up um, through my teens and I went over to America on a sports scholarship um, and I kind of focused on cross country over there. Um, I got injured and I came home um, and I kind of was out of the sport for a few years, maybe five or six years then um, because I was uh, I had low bone density. So I had to fix that basically. And uh, so I came back. In 2015, and I decided to run the Cork Marathon. And I think I chose the Cork Marathon because I'd kind of been doing shorter distances before, like 5K, kind of 10K. And um, I just wanted um, something that I wasn't able to compare, I suppose, because I think it would have, you know, I, I was doing really well over 5K and 10K when I was younger. And obviously coming back, I knew I wasn't going to be that good to begin with. So I just didn't want to have the comparison um, so I chose the marathon as, as this, you know, new event, nothing to compare to and just see what I could do. Um, so I did that. Um, no, I, I had I didn't really know what the training was or anything like that for that marathon. But, you know, just it was good to, to kind of get one under the belt, really. 
Um, and then I just kind of um, over the, the kind of couple of years after that, I kind of realized, look, I can if I really knuckle down and focus and do the proper training that, you know, I can do something with this. And um, and it all kind of went from there. Not sure I was thinking the Olympics at that point, but, uh, you know, <laughs> the improvement kind of just just happened. And I suppose the way I am, I'm kind of like, you know, if I do something and I'm like, can I do it better? You know, um, especially with running. So it just kind of. Uh, materialize into that then for people who are listening to this now they might be inspired to get out and start running after listening to you and hearing about you qualify for the Olympics what would you say to them how would you uh, advise them I suppose to get going um, I suppose like I suppose the main thing really is to listen to your body um, I think a mistake a lot of people make is doing too much too soon and then they get injured and then they, you know, they're turned off it and then they don't go back again like so um, it's kind of just be patient. I think running, patience is a huge thing with running in general. You know, you, you can't go out, you know, going from not doing anything to running 5K straight away. So you, you have to kind of make a plan and um, and just build it up gradually. And um, I think like um, just don't, uh, like, I guess, like look after yourself, really. Um, there's no point going out and, and killing your body. If your body's tired, rest. You know, I think that's a huge thing as well. Um, and for you now, next, Aoife, will there be other races before the Olympics or what's the, what's the story? No, no, I don't think there will be um, for a couple of reasons. I suppose there's not much really on um, just because of, of the pandemic and everything. And, um, I suppose because I, I qualified kind of late, um, again, because there was no real races. Um, and even this one was kind of questionable for a long time as well. So just kind of grateful that it actually happened. Um, so I guess there is um, about three months um, here, give or take, between now and, and, um, and Tokyo. So that will just be focused on on kind of the marathon training again. Excellent stuff. Aoife? It's, if it's been a pleasure talking to you uh, this morning thanks very much for uh, speaking to us on the Big Red Bench and uh, we'll probably talk to you again before Tokyo Great, thank you very much It was an absolute pleasure talking to Aoife about qualifying for the Olympics and her history in the sport that was Aoife Cook uh, who qualified for the Olympics last week winning the, the Cheshire League Marathon and really really interesting conversation there uh, with the Cork woman and uh, fantastic that she is off to the Olympics uh, speaking of athletics uh, the Irish team are in the uh, 4x400m uh, relay at the moment uh, not going too well uh, for Ireland who are uh, close to the back of the pack uh, Phil Healy has just uh, finished uh, her leg there but we'll uh, get you posted on that in the mix 4x400 uh, relay final at uh, the World Athletics Relay so we'll get you uh, a result on that one in just a bit uh, we're going to talk uh, Gaelic Games now Borgash Energy's Gaga Box is returning for its second season and you could be a part of it now the series has had at two and a half million views last year had hurling fans filmed in their living rooms while watching their county's matches basically goggle box with a hurling twist one of the stars of the show last year was Limerick's Harry Toomey I spoke to him about the experience and uh, what it all entailed earlier on the week why didn't you lift it? oh they'd take the milk out of your tea wouldn't they? how would that begin to hurdle a bit? take him off! a yellow card! come on ref! he pulled him down! a yellow card! from the corner flag Why didn't you lift it? Oh, they'd take the milk out of your tea, wouldn't they? How would that begin it to hurdle a bit? Take him off! A yellow card! Come on, ref! He pulled him down! A yellow card! I, 
I think I think daylight robbed. I think we robbed them there that time. Jay, don't tell me he's going back for Hawkeye. Okay, you just heard some highlights from last season's Gaga box, which attracted 2.5 million new views. And uh, in there, you heard uh, Harry Toomey from Limerick, the absolute star of Gaga box from last year. And Harry joins us on the line now. Harry, how are you, sir? How are you doing, Holly? How are things? I'm great, and thanks very much for joining us. Can you tell for listeners who might not have seen the show what Gaga box is, Harry? I suppose it's the GA equivalent of Gogglebox. Um, the, the, you, your room, your room where you where you normally watch your your, your match on, on a Sunday gets done up uh, in your county colours, and um, and you you come at the match. You know, and it, it was it was a great experience. You know, and what made you apply for it? Well, last year we uh, we didn't apply for it. Uh, we, we got nominated by our club as as uh, as mad Limerick supporters, um, and uh, we had an interview with with Ball Studios, uh, who were working for Ball Gosh, and um, they interviewed us on Skype, and that got put forward to to. Um, uh, Borgash and and, and this is, uh, the rest is history you know it's a very fun concept it's good crack and uh, judging by the footage from last season you're obviously a very very passionate Limerick supporter and that really came across in the footage yeah and and if you look at other families as well I mean the Tipperary and the Cork and and, and, and the Waterford lads everyone uh, um, enjoyed it you know what I mean it's it's look it's we couldn't be at the at the games as a fellow says I'm like that at the games roaring and shouting um, so um, uh, you know I fitted right in, in, in for it to be honest your, yeah and your three daughters joined you on screen as well was it a tough job to convince them to go on and do the show with you not not really because they've been going to matches since they were were, were babies like you know what I mean and we're, we're on the Limwick tip border so they would have gone to secondary school in, in tip in Newport you know so the rivalry is, is there and, and no they, they didn't take convincing at all really you know which of the four of you was the most passionate on screen do you think last year in, in your support for Limerick I suppose they, they, everyone is talking about me giving out about <laughs> about about joking you know so <laughs> and about referees and etc etc but uh, um, I suppose look the, the, the girls are as passionate believe it or not behind it you know um, um, as, as I am, you know. Now, obviously, in a normal year, Harry, you yourself and the girls would have been at all the matches anyway. So, I mean, like last year, I suppose, yeah. like a championship like no other. So, a very, very interesting year. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. We're season ticket holders with, with, with Limerick, you know. And, and um, yeah, we go to all the matches. Uh, we, we love the day out. Uh, um, uh, and, and look, that's the, you know, that's, that's, the way, that's the way we are, you know. It's, we're GA people, other people are, are rugby people, um, and so forth. So, look, we, we just love, we just love uh, our GA. Like. Exactly, yeah. And, like, the year Limerick had, I mean, like, can you put in towards how incredible last season was? Oh, I see. it was unbelievable, and and of course, I suppose well we were spoiled. 2018, um, we had as well, which was kind of more mad because we were able to go out and, and celebrate and, and meet the team when they came home from from Dublin, etc. You know, um, and I was telling the girls in 2018 like. We haven't, we haven't, uh, I haven't had that experience and 
I haven't seen Limerick win in All Ireland, you know. And there they are, they're, they're 21 and they've seen them win two, you know. So, <laughs> I hadn't seen Limerick win in All Ireland, you know. <laughs> and they're going to take some stopping as well this year, Harry, aren't they? Well, you'd you'd have to say that we they, they probably would be favourites, but it, like you know, you'd never write off Cork, and that's not just because I'm talking to a Cork man. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. We, we all remember we we all remember 2000 and and and, and five when Cork went up and, and beat Galway and All Ireland, and Galway was supposed to win. So um, we haven't beaten the under Kylie either in 70 minutes. A lucky, well, you call it a lucky save or a good save by by uh, Nicky Quaid uh, against Cork in in in, in the all Ireland semi-final and you know it would have been a different ball game you know yeah that save still haunts me to this day to be honest Harry <laughs> and I can't believe it that it just pulled off you know <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks now it's like PTSD just thinking about sorry. it <laughs> sorry <laughs> come here Harry if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking of like you know they'd like to be a part of it what would you say to them would you recommend it and would you like what would you say to people who are thinking about going for this look if you enjoy your 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 your, uh, your holding and um uh, and you're passionate about your team absolutely both studios are, are are very professional in what happens they come in they they kit out your room they they set they set you up um with mics and they go back out and with this with the years that are in it with this covid they, they go back out into their into their jeeps outside the front of your house and everything is so professional and everything is a hundred percent and to be honest it, it is good crack and, and they prompt you you know uh, you're on a mic they they, they 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 can say something to you that you react you know and that's 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 the good part of it like yeah. you know and what's the reaction being like around Limerick when you're out and about it people have been talking to you about it yeah, people have been talking. Uh, oh, here's the film star and all this crack. Like, but the girls, the, the girls are probably getting a better crack out of it. It's simply because they're on more social media and and that, and they're in UL and 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 they're in WIT. You know, so people say, "Where do I know you from?" It's probably the independent. You know, when when, when you were uh, the pictures were taken and 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 to, to put on the board, the board gosh uh, ad. You know, yeah. where do I know you from? You know, so they they, they enjoyed it. You know, exactly. Yeah. Um, Harry it's been a pleasure talking to you I'm not going to wish you luck for the Munster semi-final because I couldn't do that but uh, thanks no, for no problem Wally. no problem <laughs> thanks for talking to us and uh, might okay. see you on the TV again ok God bless thanks very much yeah, it was an absolute pleasure talking uh, to Harry Toomey about Gaga Box uh, recently. Um, so if you want to apply, if you've seen the show and you think you've got what it takes uh, to be the Cork representative on Gaga Box, you can just email hello at gagabox.ie. Email hello at gagabox.ie and uh, they'll take it from there then. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, chatting to Harry, even though that uh, Nicky Quaid save has brought back some very, very painful memories. All right, so to come on the show, we're going to talk to the Farris brothers about uh, Flubertar's incredible run from Cork to Galway, and we've reaction to come from Cove Ramblers and Galway United. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. We're really glad you could join us on the Big Red Bench this evening. Now we are going to talk to uh, the Farris brothers, Flubertar and Avenue. We had them on the show a couple of weeks ago as Flubertar was preparing um, to run 200 kilometres 
from Cork to Galway in aid of the Irish Cancer Society at the age of 17 uh, I don't think anyone has done that so it's a first and uh, it was an incredible achievement set off the other day from his school in Ormond and uh, just ran to, to, to Galway it's sensational absolutely sensational um, I spoke to the brothers this morning uh, really really good chat with them uh, about Flubert Hire's uh, absolutely sensational run but yeah just to reiterate again 200 kilometres from Cork to Galway all right, I'm joined by the Farris brothers now after Flubertire's epic 200-kilometre run from Cork to Galway this week. Flubertire, you said it was going to take you 40 hours. It took you 27 hours. Yeah, uh, just just under 27 hours. I was expecting to do or I was hoping, like, I, when I first started doing this run, thinking about it, I was like, if I get it under 40 hours, I'd be delighted with life. And when I actually got it under 27, I was even happier. That's amazing. Take me back to the start line. What's the thought going through your head as you ste- step out? There's a lot of people out there uh, encouraging you on the start line. What What are you thinking at that point? Uh, my starting point was in the Nortman and my, my whole school came out there. They supported me. It, I was really grateful for that. It, it, like, it gave me a boost before I even started. And while I was what, running my first bit, they they all just helped me. They it was I was really happy with it. It was just that was it. Abenham, you've trained him, you've coached him, you got him ready for this point. What are you thinking as he steps out at this point? Oh, I was, re- I was probably more nervous than him, just because <laughs> of the fact that I'm not even doing it. I just have to watch him suffer, you know. Um, but like he like he mentioned, like the send off in the North One was amazing. I actually I think that gave him a, a massive boost. When it came to the starting point, like as he was running down the gates of the North Monastery, um, they're all cheering him on. There was people lined up. It was just, it was absolutely amazing. Like it definitely gave him a big boost before the start of the run. He was a lot more motivated anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was an incredible turnout there. All right, and like what I suppose, as you say, it took you twenty-seven hours. Um, you obviously weren't running constantly for twenty-seven hours, so you were like taking a break every so often and just kind of like recharging and stuff like that. So uh, each 50 kilometers, I take roughly around a two-hour break, two to three-hour break, which I would sleep in and just recover, get my food, anything I, I need to have to do my next 50 kilometers. Um, I suppose by the end of it, it almost becomes more of a mental battle than a physical battle, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, honestly, out of the whole run, the biggest that I felt mentally that uh, I was really like struggling with was when I hit 60 or 65 kilometers when I was just going into Limerick County. Uh, the only reason I felt like that because last time I was on that road, it was when I was doing 100 kilometers from Cork to Galway in 2020. And, Cork to Limerick. Or Cork to Limerick, yeah, sorry. Uh, and when I was looking at that road, I was like, last time I was here, I was, I was in real pain. So it was just that mentally I was like just not in the not in the right spot. But after that road, I was perfect. Uh, but were you were you ever worried about him at any point that he might not finish it? Um, I was always worried the whole way, but not to the point where he wouldn't finish it because I, I knew I knew straight away like he was willing to go to the to, right to the end no matter what. Um, even if he broke his leg, he left out crawl or waddle up or whatever he was going to finish it so I always knew he was going to finish it in that point but injury wise yeah he was having a lot of issues with his knee his left knee and his left ankle and he had that early on so that was that was that was a big a big point um, 
that was a scary point as well because he was limping a lot. He, kept, he started limping less than halfway through it, um, but he just kept pushing through it really. Was that um, does that knee and ankle injury like really bad for Bihar? Was it like really affecting you? So my ankle and my knee, yes, uh, they both were on the same leg. So it was kind of painful every time I take a step. Uh, it was sore, but honestly, I was like, I'm going, I'm getting this run done, even if I have to walk there. So I might as well just keep jogging and I'll finish this run. What was the weather like? Did the, did the weather play ball all the way up? Surprisingly, it was really good. I actually, I was, we were actually expecting when we were coming up towards Galway, it would be a bit, slightly a bit of rain, but the whole way was perfect. It couldn't be better. Like, just a little. Just yeah. <laughs> so there was a tiny bit of rain in Clare, maybe for like two, maybe three hours. Yeah. That was it. That probably, Other than that, that probably refreshed you though, did it? The rain. It actually really did. It, it was, uh, I was, I was getting a bit tired. And then when the rain came, I, I was like, I was actually getting more motivated. I was like, this, uh, I don't care what the weather is like, I'm finishing this run. <laughs> and you had your mum and dad as support in uh, the camper van. Like, how important was that to have them there with you all the way? I was actually really happy. They were really, really nervous. Each 50 kilometers, I'd come in and I'd obviously be really sore just coming in, like struggling to get up the, the camper van. And they'd look at me and they're like, they just, they're speechless. Like, they're just. <laughs> Trying to go with the flow, they're not trying to like say, "Are you okay?" Like they did obviously ask me, "Am I okay?" and all that. But, <laughs> I don't know. Talk to me about like the last kilometer when you realise, like, I am doing this. I'm 199 kilometers in. I can see, literally, see the finishing line. What was that feeling like? Oh, it was honestly one of my best feelings I have had in my life. I was, I, I I've been running for uh, like 27 hours. Been putting my even before these 27 hours, the past 10 weeks, I've been training for this run. So that last kilometer, uh, my, my knees were sore, my ankle, my whole body was sore. I was like, I don't care how my body is. I'm sprinting this last kilometer. Obviously, it wasn't a full-on sprint because I'm after doing 200k, but I went as fast as I could then. Yeah, I saw the video of you running in and I was like, this dude is sprinting here after doing 200 kilometers. This, he's a freak of nature. Yeah. Honestly, I'm after the 200k. So when the, when I hit the 200k, I was I was really like I was happy I'd done 200k. But at the same time, I was conf- if I felt like I wanted to do more, it, like it didn't feel like I was finished. I I, mm. I believe I honestly believe I could still I I could have done more. But <laughs> we leave that for the next day. Those are amazing. Abner, what's your what's your thought process going through? Obviously, it's been a an intense journey for the both of you but to see him rocking to Galway like 199 kilometres down into the last kilometre what's going through your head? I was just it was it was so weird I think it was like because we had a routine like he was he was jogging for sorry he was running for 27 hours or just under 27 hours but we were really on the road for about three days you know two two and a half days to be precise but like we had such a routine of run, sleep, eat, run, sleep and we just kept that whole routine right through so when it came to the last kilometer we were like oh thank god we're finished but like he mentioned when we jumped back into the camper relaxed and we're like we're done it was almost like we were so confused because we were expecting <laughs> to jump in and jump back out that we were like we were we just didn't know what was going on you know we were because we just had such a good routine set that when it came to time to chill out we we're almost sad that we're finishing it was really weird. He was definitely sad yeah. that he was finishing. Honestly, uh, when we were heading back to Cork after the whole run was done, 
I was, I was, I was happy I finished 200K, but at the same time, I wanted to do more. <laughs> How did you celebrate afterwards? I think I saw Supermax mentioned somewhere. <laughs> my, uh, my finishing point was actually in Supermax. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> so uh, I, I, we were looking at uh, Galway City and I was like, oh, here, Supermax is a perfect. I actually used to live in Galway. Yeah. So that's why I actually picked Galway too. So I was like, oh, here, Supermax is a show after this run. Had to get it. Had to get a munch after it. <laughs> what did you get? I got a breast in the bus. Nice. What's the reaction been like? Um, like, I imagine you've been flooded on social media and your WhatsApps uh, with messages after this. I was actually, I'm really surprised during this run. I've altogether, I probably got like six, seven hundred messages. I'm really surprised with this. Like, so much messages. All, all through my social media, it's, it's been amazing. I literally, yesterday, I was out just walking through town. There was so much people coming up to me asking, oh, are you the guy that did 200K, all this? I'm, I'm really happy with that. I, it actually, it, it makes me, like, when someone says that to me, I feel so happy with it. And obviously, guys, um, you were raising money for the Irish Cancer Society as well, which uh, has been fantastic. You've raised a lot of money for them. Yeah, I'm after hitting 2.2k right now, wow. over 2.2k. Uh, I actually, a quick shout out to everyone who uh, donated there. Thank you very much. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And that link is still open if people want to contribute. Yeah, it's a link in my bio in all my social media. Excellent. Um, I'm almost afraid to ask what's next. So that's the yeah, that's the big question. Uh, after this, uh, actually during this 200k. I was thinking to my brother, I was like, here, what am I actually going to be, what's, what's going to be next, like, while I was running this? So, 2022, I'm going to be doing 300 kilometers. That's, that's my goal. Dude, seriously. 2022 is 300 kilometers. From Cork to where? I'm actually, I haven't uh, planned it, like, I was only thinking this while I was doing 200k, so I, I haven't got a spot yet for 300k, but if anyone here that's listening to this knows somewhere 300 kilometers from Cork City, give me a message and I'll, I'll consider it. <laughs> that's amazing. And I believe obviously you're going to have to train him to do 300 kilometers as well. So that's going to be a fun challenge. That's going to be a fun challenge and a long training camp. It's going to be a lot longer than 10 weeks, more like maybe four months, five months at least. A lot of, there's going to be a lot of pain in that training camp. That is absolutely amazing. And have you thought about doing like events kind of further afield, maybe like abroad and stuff like that, ultramarathon running? Yeah, I'm, I'm considering everything running. So far after this run, uh, I'm feeling good right now. I'm just going to rest for a week. But I have to go back to the MMA world because uh, I'm fighting in Turkey in the World Championships uh, in July for the Irish team. So I'm going to be getting that gold medal and then I'm going to go back to the running the running scene I'm going to take over the running scene and I'll take over the MMA scene <laughs> well whoever you fight in Turkey won't have the cardio to match you anyway that's for sure uh, my, my fight like one one of the rounds it's a three it's a three round fight and it's three minutes each round so this is nothing to me right now uh, I gotta go for more like <laughs> but would you have to rein him in sometimes uh, as in like uh, you have to tend to like slow down and calm down a little bit like slow down yeah he gets especially when he runs um, at the start of the run big shout out actually to our coach Liam he um, he helped out Fufu big time with his run so at the start Fufu was so like um, motivated and hyped when he saw everyone from the North Man so he was going at such a high pace when 
when you're doing 200, like you shouldn't be, you should be running a kilometer in like eight minutes. You know, you should be going extremely slow, like very light run. And he was doing it in like maybe four. So he done like the first two and four. I was like, what are you doing, man? I was like, you got to slow down big time. And then Liam jumped in, jogged the first 15K with him, made sure he slowed down, set a nice pace for him. And then he set off the run. So yeah, I did have to he- uh, held him back a bit when it came to how fast he was going because he was just getting so excited with everything. But yeah. So obviously, you know, you're taking a week off, obviously. So <laughs> you need that, I'd say, do you? Honestly, I'm 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 actually feeling good. I could literally after this 200k, I could go out right now. I'd, I'd probably do another 50 right now. Like I actually thought after this 200k, my body like I was expecting after this 200k, I'm going straight to the Galway Hospital when I'm done this. I'm going to be wrecked. I'm going to do this and that. I was perfect. I'm perfect right now. My knee's sore, but it's nothing major. I could do. I could keep running right now. <laughs> That's amazing. Guys, it's uh, been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Um, congratulations again, lads. It's absolutely incredible um, what you both achieved and to, to raise so much money for the Irish Cancer Society as well is absolutely incredible. Congratulations on that. And no doubt we'll be talking to you before the 300k next year. Certainly, yes. Cheers, Rory. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, great to talk to uh, and Abinu Farahs there, the, the Cork lads, um, who, uh, as you heard there, Flubatar ran from uh, his school in Ormond uh, to Galway, 200 kilometres in 27 hours. How incredible is that? And doing it to raise money for the Irish Cancer Society as well. It's a fantastic story and uh, great to chat to the lads and uh, no doubt uh, we'll be keeping an eye uh, on them as... Uh, the year progresses because uh, Flubertar, as he mentioned, is going to be fighting in, in Turkey at the, the World Championships and uh, that 300k next year as well. Whew, I'm exhausted just listening to what inspirational stuff there uh, from the Farris brothers. All right, there's uh, one game in the Premier League uh, left to play tonight. Of course, Man United and Liverpool falling by the wayside because of the protests against the Glazers by Manchester United fans, both in Old Trafford and at the Manchester United Team Hotel. But Tottenham and Sheffield United is a quarter past seven kickoff uh, this evening. Uh, Nigel Bidmeet has the team news from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Two changes for Tottenham from the League Cup final loss to Manchester City. Deli Alley and Gareth Bale, who both came on as substitutes at Wembley start this evening. Lucas Moura and Harry Winks dropped to the bench. One alteration for Sheffield United from their win over Brighton. Chris Basham returns from injury with Ender Stevens moving to wing back. It's a 7.15 start for Tottenham versus Sheffield United. Very reaction from uh, St. Coleman's Park last night where Cove Ramblers lost 4-0 to Galway United. Um, which was um, a tough game for Ramblers. They had Charlie Lyons sent off. They um, had three penalties awarded against them. It was uh, a tough day at the office. Excuse me, a tough day at the office for uh, Stuart Ashton's side last night. Um, but a good win for uh, John Caulfield's Galway United. And uh, yeah, it was, just, it was disappointing. I was watching it last night on LOI TV, and Ramblers did very, very well. Um, battled very very hard uh, especially in the second half but just that second penalty from Rory Keating uh, really changing the game and when they got the third end it was all over but Ramblers battling very very hard with 10 players last night and uh, 4-0 not a fair reflection on the effort that Ramblers put into the game last night going to hear from uh, John Caulfield shortly but first we're going to hear from Stuart Ashton obviously disappointed um, you know, I don't think the 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 scoreline reflected the game. Uh, obviously, the initial penalty 
was a penalty and um, they've gone one up um, but I think we were the better side we played the better football um, and we, we were in the game you know we've we've kept to our guns we've we've um, adapted to the ten men and I thought we were the better side and we were on top and then we've gone and conceded a second one a second uh, second penalty and <laughs> probably that's killed the game as a scoreline but I think we were still the better side um, until then we've conceded an own goal and then obviously they've they've taken over then obviously they've got tails up and you know they've counter attack etc um, and again we've gave, give away another penalty then so we've <laughs> we've handed them the game in that respect um, three needless penalties um, you know the first one alright it's an instinct one but with 15 minutes gone you know we, we <laughs> as it panned out we, we would have been still in the game I think you know the way it was and we'd have hoped for if 11 of 11 um we'd have come out on top but it wasn't to be um, the second penalty again a needless one I think he's got caught wrong footed and he's no need to make the channel challenge where he was and the second penalty as I said has put the game as a result out of out of thing the disappointing one for us then was the third one the own goal and I think then the lads got frustrated then with 10 minutes to go and we've let them kind of have a bit of an avalanche on us and then another silly needless penalty um, so that's that's it really yeah and it was probably especially what you say even before the second one there was good spin like you probably you were probably you were the better side so like there was probably spells overall probably do you think that you were probably in the performance of the five better like tonight than last week probably do you know definitely you know we've 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 said that after last week that you know we we've had a poor performance with the with the ball last week and tonight you know nine the ten men you know uh, I think at one stage we're down to nine men with Dave off the pitch for a few minutes as well like we we were in control we we were organised and I think we were the better side and we've played good football you would you would have thought they were down a man the way the game was in my opinion and from that point of view that's that's a big plus you know we've now got to show that again <laughs> the disappointing one is the result obviously you know for, for our performance we haven't got anything out of it and that's obviously that's a, that's a sickness you know and actually, Sam, what Kieran Griffin, what was like, did he, did he was injured, whether he put up in the warm up? Yeah, he, just in the warm up, he's just twisted his ankle, he's gone, uh, in the little drill he was doing, he's just uh, twisted his ankle, just stepped on it and twisted, and obviously it was too sore to play, so we had to change that before the kick off, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Kevin TD next week as well, yeah. Yeah, look, we have to, <clears throat> we have to move on. Um, obviously, as I said, we're disappointed. We'll we'll lick our wounds, so to speak. The lads are disappointed, you know, with especially the way the way they played. And as I said, I think for 80 minutes, and the lads obviously, you know, 
not let themselves down but felt a bit sorry for themselves in the last 10 minutes but for 80 minutes we were the better side and unfortunately you know we've got nothing out of it as I said the result has probably gone at 2-0 you know it was a it was a, a mountain for us to climb then but we kept at it I thought and until the last 10 you know I, I as I keep saying we played good football but unfortunately we got nothing for it and at the end of the day that's what counts in football yeah you're right that's Stuart Ashton there talking about the last nice disappointing defeat uh, to Galway United uh, in the first division of the, division of the SSE Electricity League and uh, Galway of course managed by former Cork City boss John Caulfield and uh, this is his reaction yeah we knew it was going to be really difficult coming down and uh, we've been giving away a number of sloppy goals and we're trying to cut that out and I thought for the first 20-25 minutes we were really good we were on the front foot uh, Barman an unbelievable save from, from Walsh's header Mikey Place had a, had a, had a, had a chance when he, when he got in behind and saw Keating and I felt we were sort of uh, playing really well creating chances but we needed to score the first goal and obviously um, you know we had sustained pressure and then you know Charlie handles the ball on the line he gets sent off and we scored a penalty but if you're the goal they kept going and you know I didn't expect anything different and certainly the second half for 10 minutes 15 minutes they were well in the match and we needed a second goal and Cunningham came on and you know made a brilliant run and was taken down the box and the second goal of the game was you know, effectively killed but overall we're happy it's a clean sheet and um, you know it's, it's, it's it brings us to nine points and I think we're in the, back in the top four or five and you know it's early days but uh, at least we're back up the table yeah and exactly I suppose you said they coming you probably notice if we're going up the Coleman's path but it's probably never an easy place to go so I mean to come away with, it, with the victory tonight it must be very pleasing from that perspective doesn't it? absolutely uh, but I say that every week that this league this year the league this year is that anyone can beat anyone you can see what the, the results are that's just the way it is and uh, you know it's it, 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 every there's, 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 everyone thinks the surprise results every week they're not surprised to me because if you don't start the game right and you're not in form you're going to lose points and uh, but from our point of view uh, you know coming here Stuart has a great bunch of lads to give everything and uh, you know with 10 men they were still a credit you know the, the way the way they, the way they kept going and they were still in the match and we needed that second goal to put them away and uh, you know but we're, we're happy going, going, going back tonight because um, you know I felt last week the team played really well and we just need to cut out the soft goals and I thought overall tonight was good good performances and, and hopefully it'll give us momentum and, and that confidence to drive on yeah. I think you've back to back kind of home games as well so it'll be a good opportunity for you'd be hoping to kind of get some momentum like to yeah you, you would hope so but the only thing is home games are false at the moment because there's no crowds exactly. so, yeah, yeah. so you know if you're, if you're you know I think that has been a disadvantage to probably the clubs that can get, get decent crowds in and we would probably be one of them so you know but the same time you're right we have we have and Bray's a big game next week obviously Drew at City last night and Drew here last week and uh, Drew at uh, Shelburne and you know they've had a lot of draws um, you know I think they've, they've only had one loss but they've lots of draws but at the same time uh, you know we'll have to be on again but look we created chances tonight and we need to create chances next week and uh, hopefully if we do we can we can take them yeah obviously I mean I know you've been quite towards the end of last year I've been doing up to know I mean how how have you found life and this whole whole things going so far up in, in Galway yeah well look, I have a brilliant bunch of guys we, we've recruited a new team new players they're training every day they're really doing their best and I think the team will improve I always keep saying when you have a new group it might take a little bit of time you know at the start you know after we lost that loan people are saying you know but still a second game this league will, will come down to the last four or five six matches if you're in the if you're in the pack with four or five six games to go um, this will go right to the wire you can see it's going to be that type of league and we just have to make sure that we get to September that we're in the pack and, uh, and that's but this team I think will get better and uh, I'm certainly I believe them I think there's a lot of talent and I think there's uh, a lot more to come from and um, you know but so, so we'll, we'll see 
That's uh, John Caulfield speaking uh, to the media after last night's uh, 4-0 win over Cove Ramblers down in St. Coleman's Park. Good to hear uh, from John. And uh, looking forward to seeing him at Turners Cross uh, in a couple of weeks. All right, that's pretty much just it for us, for our show, for you this evening on this bank holiday Sunday. I uh, hope you're all enjoying the weekend and I uh, hope you all enjoy the rest of the bank holiday weekend as well. Our podcast will be online shortly. You get that on redfm.ie or from wherever you get your podcast. Be sure and follow us on social, social media at Big Red Bench. Connor Halpin is up next. He's got three hours of the best Irish music coming your way with Green on Red, so stick around for that. We're back next Saturday and Sunday and Hurling is back next weekend. The excitement is building. Chat to you then, folks. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m.